What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And on this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my thoughts on the Devil Broncos naming Teddy Bridgewater, their starting quarterback over Drew Law. Going to be talking about the 49ers quarterback situation, Trey Lance or Jimmy G, who should they start week one, Jameis Winston, why he deserves to be QB1 for the New Orleans Saints. Can Oregon make the college football playoffs this year for the upcoming 2021 college football season? And lastly, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, you should be extremely concerned about this season. Now, if you are a first-time listener of the podcast, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Greatly appreciate it. Greatly helps the podcast out a lot. And also, this is going to be my last podcast of the week. I'm going to be taking like a little break. Um, I'm gonna be back next week starting on Sunday. I'm gonna be trying to get some college football videos up because college football kicks off next weekend. We have week zero, a lot of good games. So I'm gonna be taking a break, trying to, you know, get a head start on school. Then I'm also gonna be writing down a lot of things so I can just go ahead and record those videos. So I'll be taking like a couple of days break to get, you know, um ahead of my schoolwork and stuff like that. So let's start off with the breaking news that the Devil Broncos have officially named Teddy Bridgewater their starting quarterback this season over Drew Locke. Now, I've been looking at the fan reactions from Broncos fans about this news coming out, and a lot of Broncos fans seem to be 50-50 about the situation. Some people are okay with Teddy Bridgewater being named the starter over Drew Locke, and then you have the other 50% of Broncos fans who are split and saying that they rather prefer Drew Locke because Teddy Bridgewater plays pretty conservative. Now, I've been telling people ever since Teddy Bridgewater was initially traded from Carolina to Denver that Teddy Bridgewater most likely was going to be the starting quarterback simply for the fact that he is the kind of quarterback that a defensive-minded coach in Vic Vangio prefers. Okay, yeah, he's not going to throw a lot of passes downfield. You're not going to have a lot of big, flashy plays, but he's smart with the football, doesn't turn the football over, and he's a good leader in the locker room, which is something that, if you're a defensive-minded coach, Vic Vangio is looking for. Meanwhile, you have Drew Locke, who kind of is heavily turnover-prone. You're going to have a lot of big, flashy plays downfield, but you're also going to have some plays where he may turn the football over and when you have a defensive-minded coach all you really need is an average offense so Bronco fans are saying what well, offense is going to be average is not going to be all that great that's what Vic Vangio wants now if the offense is above average then that's a win but all Vic Vangio wants is an average offense he doesn't need an offense that's putting up 30 28 points per game he just needs an offense that can score enough points that the defense can really take over the game and win the game for them so for Vic Vangio if you would ask him right now okay who would he rather have on the field during the last two minutes to win the game his defense or his offense he's going to say his defense now what impact will Teddy Bridgewater have on the Broncos offense who's going to benefit from Teddy Bridgewater being the starting quarterback so from a fantasy football perspective Jerry Judy and both Noah Fant are going to greatly benefit Jerry Judy is going to be really good in the short intermediate passing game in terms of what he's going to be able to do with his route running skills and also what he can do with the ball in his hands same thing with Noah Fant you're also going to see Noah Fant get a lot of targets from Teddy Bridgewater as well now for Cortland Sutton who's 
coming back from a season-ending injury. I don't really know how that's going to work out between him and Teddy Bridgewater because Cortland Sutton is more of a great deep threat. He's somebody who you like to throw the football to when you get inside the red zone. He also can go ahead and catch those 50-50 balls. So, if you're looking at this from a fantasy standpoint, Jerry, Judy, and Noah Fant, their stocks definitely go up. They're greatly going to benefit from Teddy Bridgewater being the starting QB. But meanwhile, Cortland Sutton, I definitely think that him and Teddy Bridgewater, I don't really expect those two to have that great of a connection simply to the fact that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't really push the football downfield all that much. Now, Teddy Bridgewater in third down situations isn't really all that great. and He's not great in the red zone for two reasons. One, because he doesn't have a strong arm. He doesn't have a good enough arm to fit the ball inside tight windows inside of the red zone. And secondly, he doesn't really take a lot of chances. So when you look at a QB that is extremely conservative in the red zone and on third down they're not really going to be all that effective in those situations simply for the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who simply prefers just to take what the defense gives them so when you're inside the red zone you can't really afford to be conservative like you kind of have to take some risk inside of the red zone because everything is tight everything is condensed you don't really have a lot of windows to throw the football in so you're pretty much taking a risk when you choose to throw the football inside the red zone so for Teddy Bridgewater he's not really going to be all that effective unless he chooses to use his legs same thing that goes for him on third down and third down situations he may just choose just to check the football down to see if the wide receiver can make something happen after the catch and try to get the third down that way but he's not really going to be trying to push the football all that much now for teddy okay he is going to win he's not going to lose you no games but he's not going to win you any games so a lot of Denver broncos fans probably want some clarification of what does that mean because a lot of people have been saying that about teddy bridgewater so basically what that means is that Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to lose you any games because he's not going to have any game-defining turnovers that's going to have a big outcome on the game. He's smart the football. He's going to take what the defense gives him. But on top of that, he also is somebody who isn't going to win you a lot of games because when it comes to clutch situations like within the last two minutes of the game and you need somebody to drive you downfield and score a game-winning touchdown, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't thrive in those situations. That's where people say Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to win you any games, but he's not going to lose you any games neither. He's not going to have a lot of turnovers that's going to drastically affect the outcome of the game, but he's not going to have any big plays and the clutch that's going to help win the game for you that's when people mean when they say that now the defense definitely is going to carry this team the defense is going to be the heart and soul of this team so if this defense is really good and Teddy Bridgewater does what he needs to do and the Broncos offense is average I can definitely see the Broncos making it into the playoffs now I wouldn't say that they will be a lock but I'm just saying that they do have a pretty good chance now with Teddy Bridgewater being named the starting QB that kind of shows me that Denver is looking at picking up another quarterback in the offseason of next year in 2022 rather than that being free agency maybe they make a trade for Deshaun Watson Aaron Rodgers maybe they draft a quarterback next year but it looks like Denver isn't going to have a long-term answer at QB right now so it looks like they're probably going to find their long-term franchise quarterback next offseason now in terms of Drew Locke okay Drew Locke still has a chance to start if Teddy Bridgewater goes down with an injury unfortunately 
unfortunately, or Teddy Bridgewater that doesn't play good, then you can come in and assert in Drew Locke, and then he can have an opportunity that way. And Drew Locke definitely has improved over the offseason. He definitely is better now than what he was last year. It's just that even though sometimes you improve in life, sometimes improving just isn't enough. Sometimes you need more improvement. So Drew Locke definitely did improve. A lot of people think, well, Drew Locke did improve. Drew Locke has to improve, okay? But just because you improve doesn't mean you improved enough. Apparently, the work that he put in wasn't enough, and that's why he's not the starting quarterback for Denver right now. So for Denver, they're rolling with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if he's a quarterback who can get the Broncos to the playoffs. Same thing with Drew Locke. I don't really know if either one of those guys are the guys to get into the playoffs. And I was just talking to my guy, Juice Lord, about this. Like, Denver has a playoff caliber football team, okay? Their roster is good enough to get to the playoffs. The thing is, they just don't have a quarterback who is good enough to get them to the playoffs. Now, Teddy Bridgewater does have a good supporting cast around them. You have Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, a pretty solid off the line, a pretty good run game on top of that what should be a top 10 top 5 defense but at the end of the day, is Teddy Bridgewater going to be able to make the plays necessary to get Denver into the playoffs this year in a very tight division with the Las Vegas Raiders, Kansas City, and also the LA Chargers? That will be a mystery to be decided. So while we're on the topic of quarterback, let's talk about the 49ers. So who should the 49ers start at quarterback? Because this is really interesting because Kyle Shanahan came out a couple of days ago and said that he right now is undecided who's going to be the starting quarterback come week one. Now, that's kind of funny because during training camp, well, a couple of, well, like a couple of weeks ago, he came out and said that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter. But now it looks like the tables have kind of turned. So either Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really performed all that well, or either Trey Lance has performed really well enough to make this a legitimate quarterback competition. Now, he also said that, you know, all three quarterbacks are being taken into consideration consideration but we already know it's going to be between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance now when you look at Trey Lance he has had a pretty okay preseason it's been pretty up and down his first preseason game he had this big touchdown but then after that he wasn't really all that impressive after that he was 5 of 14 128 passing yards one touchdown a lot of 49ers fans are going to defend that game they're going to say well JT the offensive line wasn't that great and wide receivers were dropping passes and I understand that but I just felt like he could have been better in that game. Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't really in a significant amount of snaps. He only attempted three passes. He went three or three for 26 yards. Now against the LA Chargers, Trey Lance was really impressive. 8 of 14, 102 passing yards, two touchdowns in the interception. Jimmy Garoppolo went three or six with 15 passing yards in the interceptions. As a matter of fact, I was really disappointed in how Jimmy Garoppolo performed in that game. Now you can say the interception that Jimmy Garoppolo threw wasn't his fault. It was intercepted by a rookie corner back to Sante Samuel Jr. But I mean, like the pass kind of was a little bit overthrown. It was a little bit too high. Maybe you could have threw the pass a little bit low. But I mean, if you don't want to blame that interception on Jimmy Garoppolo, I understand, but I kind of do hold him a little bit responsible for that. Even though the wide receiver should have came down with it, he probably could have placed the ball a little bit better. So when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance right now, I definitely think that there is a legitimate chance that Trey Lance could be the starting quarterback for week one. And it's really 
kind of difficult to monitor the situation because are you going to go with the young rookie quarterback because Trey Lance does have a lot of things that he still has to work on but are you going to play it safe and start Jimmy G now I've been going back and forth with my guy Juice Alert make sure that you guys check out the Juice Alert podcast for over the last two months about this he keeps telling me JT you only win in this league by taking chances and I understand that but you don't necessarily win in the NFL by taking a lot of risk, okay? You have to pick and choose your spots, okay? You have to pick and choose when to be aggressive and when to play it safe. You just don't win in the NFL by just going all out being fully aggressive because that's not the right way of winning in the NFL. You have to be really decisive when it comes to this. And this just doesn't go from an in-game situation. This also comes to, you know, picking who your starting quarterback is going to be because the quarterback position is really important when it comes to how successful your team is going to be so if you go with Jimmy G you're still going to be a very solid football team okay now you're going to have somebody who doesn't really you know thread the needle per se in terms of you know how great your offense is going to be meanwhile if you have Trey Lance at QB your offense could be heavily volatile there could be some games that Trey Lance struggles when he's going against a very good defensive minded coach who could end up confusing him a lot with a lot of disguised blitzes and a lot of disguised coverages but when Trey Lance is good he's going to be really good and the offense is going to be lights out compared to how it would be under Jimmy Garoppolo so with Trey Lance you're selling offensively is a lot higher than what it would be in terms of if you were to start Jimmy Garoppolo and also you can do a little bit more with Trey Lance at QB you can run read options you can run RPOs and I'm pretty sure that if Kyle Shanahan chooses to start Trey Lance he's going to have an offense designed to best utilize Trey Lance strengths and you know kind of hide his weaknesses because you remember Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator the year that RG3 won rookie of the year for Washington a couple of years back, almost a decade ago, and they had a perfect offense designed for RG3. Now, even though the offense was kind of elementary and it started to get figured out, it was still heavily effective. So I think that they can kind of make an elementary offense for Trey Lance until he's able to continue to grow and develop, and then they can expand the offense from that point forward. But also, if you go and you make that kind of offense, that you also run a high risk that you're going to run into a defensive coordinator that's going to understand what kind of offense you're running and they're going to be able to come out and the proper personnel to this to stop that offense so there's a lot of pros and cons to starting each QB you start Jimmy Garoppolo you're going to have somebody who's a seasoned veteran yeah the offensive ceiling is going to be kind of capped you're probably going to be looking at an above average offense maybe average with Jimmy Garoppolo but you're not going to have the struggles that you would have if you start a rookie quarterback in Trey Lance. Now, meanwhile, you start Trey Lance, the offense has potential to be even better with him at QB compared to what it would be with Jimmy Garoppolo. You also can do more, but you're also going to have some inconsistent performances out of Trey Lance. Now, the run game is going to be heavily effective, so it's not like either one of these quarterbacks are going to have to drop back and throw the ball like 35, 40 times a game. Like The run game is going to be really good. You're going to have a really good run game off the line is pretty solid you have a really good group of wide receivers so you do have a lot of talent for both these two QBs to be successful and Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in the NFL right now so he's going to put these guys in good situations to be effective the question is who is going to be more effective and which one are you going to go with okay are you going to go with Trey Lance in the upside and the inconsistent performances or are you going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo where you don't really have a lot of upside but you are 
going to have a little bit more consistency. That is something that is going to come down to this decision. So we don't really know who's going to be the starting QB right now. I still think that Kyle Shanahan is probably going to play it safe and that he is going to start Trey Lance. Now, in my personal opinion, I probably would start Trey Lance because if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm looking at it like this. Okay, I can start Trey Lance and build a system around Trey Lance, even though it will be, you know, really elementary and it could be it could easily get figured out. I'm going to roll with Trey Lance because I just feel like you could have some upside, but you also could have some growing pains because when I look at Jimmy G, like he doesn't play bad, but I mean, like you can't count on him to stay healthy. That's another thing. So me personally, if I was Kyle Shanahan, I probably would lean towards starting Trey Lance simply for the fact that I trust my ability as a head coach to put Trey Lance in the proper situations to succeed. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a bad QB. If you start Jimmy Garoppolo, you can't go wrong there because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to play bad enough for you to start him. And you also can still make it to the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo. You also got to look at the fact that you're going to be fully healthy on defense. So your defense is also going to be able to create turnovers, get pressure on the quarterback on third down situations and get the ball back to you. So for the 49ers, I think they can make it to the playoffs with either one. It just comes down to, okay, which QB are you willing to take the cons for? Okay, like do you rather have the cons of Jimmy Garoppolo or do you rather have the cons of Trey Lance? Let me know down in the comment section down below who you guys think will be the starting QB for the San Francisco 49ers or who you would start as the starting QB for San Francisco if you was Kyle Shanahan. Now, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston balled out this past Monday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was 9 of 10 passing for 123 passing yards. He had two touchdowns. Him and Marcus Callaway were on fire. Now, Jameis Winston should be the starting QB for New Orleans, and I have been saying this all offseason, and I'm going to continue to say this again. Jameis Winston is a better quarterback than Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill gives me a lot of Tim Tebow vibes. He doesn't have a good arm. Okay, yeah, he may be able to complete a couple of short passes here and there, but he's not really effective when it comes to throwing the football downfield. And I just feel like if you start Taysom Hill, your offense is going to be really easy to figure out, even though he does bring that dual threat ability. I just still feel like the offense is going to be too easy to stop. So when you look at Taysom Hill, man, like I really think he would be really good at his game your role, you know, playing tight end, running back, wide receiver, all kinds of different scenarios. I think he's really good. I really don't think he's cut out to be a successful starting quarterback for the long term. Now, is he a good backup? Yes, he is. Is he a guy who can come in and win you some games if your starter goes down? Yes, he can, but he isn't really the quarterback who you can have a sustained amount of success for week after week, year after year. So you look at Jameis Winston, I mean, he has been the best quarterback all throughout the preseason. When you go back to that first preseason game that the Saints played in not too long ago against the Baltimore Ravens, Jameis Winston went 7-12, 96 pass yards, had a nice touchdown. He also threw an interception, but it wasn't really his fault. It was more the wide receiver's fault. You had Taysom Hill who had an interception, 8-12, 81 passing yards. So when 
I look at Jameis Winston, I think Jameis Winston gives the Saints the best chance to be successful this season because you're going to have a guy who's going to be able to push the football downfield. You're going to have those big plays in the passing game. And you also have a guy who has a lot of upside. Like Jameis Winston's upside when he's playing well is top five QB status. And that may sound crazy, but when you look at his highs when he was playing with the Tempe Buccaneers a year ago back in 2019, I mean, his highs were essentially one of the best QBs in the league. Now his lows, okay, you're going to get a quarterback that's heavily volatile. He's going to have some turnovers, but he's also going to be able to come back and throw a touchdown the next drive. So you're definitely looking at a guy who's going to be heavily volatile. So with Sean Payton, I still feel like right now, Jameis Winston should obviously be the starting QB. And I don't really think it's close when it comes to this quarterback competition between the two. I definitely feel like Jameis Winston has a significant league over Taysom Hill. Like, I feel like this really shouldn't be as big as a discussion as people are making it out to be. Because listen, if you're Sean Payton and you look at Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston is a different quarterback now post-LASIK surgery than he was playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got to remember, when he was with Tampa Bay, he had several different head coaches. He started out with Lovey Smith. Then you brought in Dirk Cutter. Then you brought in Bruce Arians. And under those three head coaches, I don't really feel like Jameis Winston developed. I feel like Jameis Winston was still the same quarterback then that he was when he was coming out of FSU. Heavily turnover prone, tends to be a little bit too cocky at times. So when you look at Jameis Winston, he had Dirk Cutter and Bruce Arians as his last two head coaches, two head coaches who are extremely aggressive, who love to push the football downfield via the vertical passing game. So Jameis Winston never really got coached out of those aggressive tendencies. Now Tom Brady came in and Tom Brady kind of, you know, ran things his way. So they kind of were 50-50. It kind of was you know, 50% of what Tom Brady wanted to do with a quick pass game and 50% of Bruce Arians, what he wanted to do, throwing the football downfield. So meanwhile, you look at Jameis Winston, he got the sat behind, well, he had a chance to sit behind Drew Brees for a year, you know, and learn his system, learn the Sean Payton offense. On top of that, Sean Payton is going to be somebody who's going to be able to coach coach him out of those aggressive tendencies he's going to be a little bit more smarter when it comes to being able to pick and choose his spots and really that's the downfall about Jameis Winston I don't really think that Jameis Winston before he got to New Orleans knew when to be aggressive and knew when not to be aggressive it pretty much was him turning on the game sliders 100% to aggressive now when he was also playing for Tampa Bay it was kind of like the crate challenge that's going viral on social media so basically what the crate challenge is you have people who stack up these crates really high kind of like in steps so you go up and then when you're coming down it's really hard to come down it's really shaky you could fall off you could end up coming down with no harm that's kind of like how I view Jameis Winston so when you look at Taysom Hill like I don't really think the offense under Taysom Hill is going to be as good as what many people think like it looks to me like if you start Taysom Hill you run the risk of having like that Tim Tebow 2011 vibes with that gimmicky read option offense and on top of that I don't think that the Saints have enough talent at wide receiver to bail out Taysom Hill's inability to throw the football downfield and you look at Jason um you look at Jameis Winston I just feel like Jameis Winston is the best QB who is going to be able to maximize the shortcomings that the New Orleans Saints may have at wide receiver this year 
here because we don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. We don't really know how good the depth at wide receivers looking outside of Troy Quan Smith. Yeah, Callaway had a good game, but we don't even know if he's going to be a reliable option in the passing game for New Orleans. You do have Alan Kamara, who's going to be a threat there. But outside of that, like, there's just a lot of variables that's going to come into the wide receiver position. So for Jameis Winston, I think he's the best quarterback for the job. Like, he's going to be able to make the wide receivers better. Like, a lot of people think that Jameis Winston was just carried by Chris Godwins and Mike Evans. That's not true because he was really good with Scotty Miller. And he also was a big reason why Rashard Perryman was able to have a resurgence because prior to um Brashad Perriman arriving in Tampa Bay he was pretty much a bust he was going back and forth between NFL team he was pretty much a journeyman to that point so he goes to Tampa Bay and he balls out with Jameis Winston and now he's still in the NFL because of that so you look at Jameis Winston Jameis Winston definitely doesn't have to have a great supporting cast of wide receivers to be successful so when you look at Jameis Winston maybe having Mike Evans and Chris Godwin kind of did him a disservice in some sense because maybe he tend to be too overly trusting of those guys and he tended up he tended to be too overly aggressive trusting those guys so sometimes he would tend to force free them the ball so now without having that lack of that star presence at wide receiver until Michael Thomas returns if he does indeed return I think that's going to help out Jameis Winston because Jameis Winston isn't going to try to force feed his superstar wide receiver the ball like he was back then in Temple Bay when you had Mike Evans and you had Chris Godwin so I think that Jameis Winston is clearly the clear-cut starting QB for the New Orleans Saints and I don't really think it's close now if you want to be a Saints fan and you're on the side of Taysom Hill and you want to go ahead and argue down in the comment section down below you can go ahead and do that but I'm not going to do anything but just ignore your comment and just blow by it because I don't really think there's a strong argument that can be made for Taysom Hill being a starting quarterback outside of the fact that his dual threat ability you can use RPOs and read options but outside of that like this is a passing lead people fail to understand that like yeah Taysom Hill brings that dual threat ability but what a lot of people fail to realize is that you still have to win the football by throwing the ball you have to be able to win football games by being able to have success in the passing game. And Taysom Hill doesn't really have, you know, the skill set to be that effective quarterback that he can dissect your defense if you need him to throw in the football. So when you look at Jameis, I definitely think that Jameis right now is the clear-cut quarterback one for New Orleans. Like I said, a lot of you guys are going to be like, whoa, JT, the dual threat ability of Taysom Hill. Yes, that is true. But at the end of the day, you still have to be able to win football games by throwing the football through the air 30 times and I don't think Taysom Hill is a quarterback who can get that job done so Jameis Winston to me should clearly be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints right now and in terms of this quarterback competition I don't even think it's close I think Jameis Winston is the runaway favorite right now now I want to talk about Oregon football. Can Oregon make it into the college football playoffs this season? Now, Oregon is a team that I think definitely is in that Texas A&M UNC discussion as a team that has kind of entered that college football playoff discussion that they have enough talent to be a legitimate college football playoff contender. And Oregon has been stacking great recruiting classes for over the last couple of years. Like, they've had a lot of good recruiting classes. Now, I think that this is the season that if they're going to make a run at the college football playoffs, they should be able to put it all together, okay? You have a lot of talent on defense. You have edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau, who probably could be the number one overall pick in next year's 2022 NFL Draft. You have... 
Noah Sewell, you have Isaac Slade, you have Maze Funa, you have Justin Flo, you have arguably the best and deepest linebacking core in all of college football. Now you have star cornerback Markel Wright, and the secondary isn't bad. It just, you know, it's a little bit more wrinkles that need to be figured out. But overall, you should have one of the most athletic and most freakishly talented defenses in all of college football this year. Now, when you look at the offense, is the offense going to be able to get into the college football playoffs because that's really where my biggest concern lies with Oregon. I'm not really concerned about the defense. I think Oregon's defense definitely is going to be capable of getting this team into the college football playoffs. And a lot of people have to remember, college football has changed. A lot of people think you have to have elite defense and all this. That's not true anymore. A lot of people have to understand that Back in 2011, you need to have a great defense to win in college football. You could win with an average offense or a below average offense as long as you had an elite defense. That's changed. Now you have to have a great offense if you want to be able to make it into the college football playoffs. So Oregon's offense definitely has to have a tremendous sign of growth this season if they want to be a legitimate college football team. Now you have Anthony Brown at quarterback. He has been around the block for a while. He's been in college football for over the last couple of years. Normally, I remember him when he was a starting QB for Boston College. And I think he's a good enough QB to get them to the college football playoffs. He kind of reminds me a lot of Ian Book in a sense. Like, he's not like an elite QB when it comes to, you know, the college football hierarchy of quarterbacks. But he's definitely a very good QB. He's an above average QB who can get you there. He's really dynamic in the run game. He has a pretty good arm. He's pretty good when it comes to his decision making and on top of that he's going to be thrown to one of the best receiving cores in all of college football you have super seniors and johnny johnson who had 19 receptions last year 267 receiving yards two touchdowns jalen red caught 25 receptions which i believe led the team last year 281 receiving yards in a touchdown you have devin williams who is 6'5 205 pounds who could have a breakout year he has great size great speed downfield he could be an incredible downfield deep target for Anthony Brown or a really good red zone target. Then you have CJ Verdell, Travis Dye there, which is a really good one-two punch. Probably one of the more underrated running back duos in college football. CJ Verdell ran for 285 rushing yards last year, 4.4 yards per carry, three touchdowns. Travis Dye had 443 rushing yards last year and a touchdown. So you have a really good running back combo there. Now your offensive line last year, your offensive line is going to be your biggest question mark because last year your offensive line was decent. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was decent. This year, I think this offensive the line could go from decent to really good. Now, you got to remember, Mario Cristobal used to be an offensive lineman for Miami. So he is somebody who is really good with, you know, improving the off the line. So when he has that off the line label, I expect the off the line to continue to be really good. So I don't think the off the line should struggle that much. So when you look at the offense, the offense is going to be the biggest deciding factor in determining if Oregon can make it into the college football playoffs or not. Me personally, I think that Oregon is definitely a playoff caliber football team. And I do think they can get in. I have gotten a lot of criticism from a lot of people when I said that Oregon 
could be what Clemson is in the ACC. And a lot of people misinterpret that. A lot of people think I'm saying Oregon is Clemson. Oregon's better than Clemson. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you look at how Clemson has dominated the ACC for over the last couple of years, I think Oregon could have that kind of grasp on the Pac-12 because remember, Oregon is recruiting at a really high level and there's not really any program in the Pac-12 right now that I think is recruiting on the level of Oregon. USC hasn't really been recruiting at the level of Oregon until you know recently you got UCLA, you got Washington like there's not really any program in the Pac-12 right now that's really giving Oregon a legitimate run for their money in recruiting right now. So you look at how Oregon has dominated recruiting and the talent that they're going to be putting on the field over the next two three years I think that Oregon has potential that they could be so good that the competition in the Pac-12 just really isn't going to be all that close and there's going to be a large gap between Oregon and the rest of the teams in the Pac-12 similar to what happened with Clemson okay Clemson was out recruiting pretty much everybody in the ACC all they really had to worry about was FSU but once FSU started to go down the drain that's when Clemson really started to have a firm grasp on the ACC and that's why they are as dominant as what they are right now similar thing with Ohio State so I think that we definitely could see Oregon Oregon kind of have a dominating run in the Pac-12 like we have seen Clemson have in the ACC in terms of how great they've been recruiting and how the other programs compare because recruiting is one of the most important things in college football. If you cannot recruit pretty much everybody in your conference, you're going to be the best team in your conference. So talent really matters a lot when it comes to determining how effective and how dominant you're going to be in your conference. So I look at Oregon, I definitely feel like Oregon can dominate the Pac-12 like how Clemson has dominated the ACC. And I only think that it's a matter of time before it happens. But in terms of this year, like I feel like this is the year that Oregon should be able to put it all together. Some people felt like last year was the season that Oregon could make it into the college football playoffs. But with COVID going on and everything like that, I just didn't really see it happening. So I think that this is the year that if Oregon is going to make a run, I think that this is it. You have a freakishly talented defense with a lot of players who are going to be playing on Sundays, a lot of players who are going to end up being drafted in the first round. Like Oregon right now is a juggernaut. This is a really talented team. It just depends on how improved this offense is going to be. And right now, from what I'm looking like on paper, I'm really high on this Oregon offense. Now, Oregon's offense probably isn't going to be, you know, one of the best in college football, but it's definitely going to be really good, especially when you look at Anthony Brown's ability to run with the football. Tyler Shaw also was pretty good when it came to running the football as well but I think Anthony Brown is a more dynamic runner in terms of what he's able to do with the ball in his hands he's a little bit more creative of a runner compared to Tyler Shock, who is now with Texas Tech so you look at Anthony Brown he has a lot of experience. He has a lot of experience in big games. He has a lot of experience going on the road. So I look at Oregon right now. I definitely feel like this is the team who could end up surprising a lot of people and finally cracking the mold of being able to get into the college football playoffs. And a lot of you guys may not remember because it seems like this took place like centuries ago, but Oregon actually was in the first college football playoffs when they destroyed um, 
FSU. So, I mean, Oregon isn't really new to the college football playoffs, but it just has been a while since we've seen a team from the Pac-12 get in. So, I believe that Oregon definitely has the talent of being able to make it into the college football playoffs. The question is, is this offense going to be better this year in terms of being able to have a college football playoff offense? Because I'm not worried about the defense. It all comes down to the offense because at this day and age of college football, can you be able to score 30 points? Because that's what it takes to be able to be a championship caliber football team. Can you score 30 points? How are you going to hold up up front? I definitely feel like Oregon checks checks most of those boxes. I'm still trying to figure out how improved this offense is going to be. But from what I see right now, I definitely feel like Oregon is a college football contending team that definitely should be a team that could get in. So you guys let me know how you guys feel about Oregon down in the comment section down below. Do you guys feel that Oregon is going to be able to make it into the college football playoffs this season in 2021? Now, lastly, I want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, If you guys have been subscribed to the channel for over the last couple of months, you guys would know that I am really high on Jacksonville compared to most people. As a matter of fact, I'm higher on Jacksonville than 99% of people. A lot of people believe that Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win less than four games this year and that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL again this season. I believe that Jacksonville is going to be a super competitive football team that they're going to be able to win six games. Well, let's flash forward to now. Jacksonville has, they haven't really looked all that great. And if you are a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, you should be extremely worried about this team heading into the start of the regular season because this team has not looked good in the preseason. I know what a lot of you guys are about to say. And before you say it, before you say it, I know what you're about to say. You're about to say, JT, it's just preseason. Haven't you been preaching? Don't pay attention to preseason. I have. But at the same time, when you have your starting off the line getting outplayed by first and second string defensive linemen, and on top of that, your cornerback position, the guy in Shaquille Griffin, who you paid a lot of money, is getting worked by guys like Mar- Marcus Callaway, who I've never heard before. You have to be concerned. You only don't have to be concerned if you are playing backups or if you put your first stringers in and they're dominating because that's what you're supposed to do. If you have your first string in there, they should be dominating. For example, Kansas City. Kansas City started their whole entire first string off the line and they dominated. That's what it should be. You shouldn't have your first string off the line getting outworked by backups. So that just has a... that. It has me worried, guys. I'm really worried. Now, I still believe that Jacksonville is going to win six games this year. Now, I'm not as confident now in them winning six games as I was a month ago. A month ago, I was willing to put $1,000 that Jacksonville was, willing, was going to win six games. Now, I probably probably will only put $200, $300 on the table that Jacksonville would win six games this year because I really don't like what I've seen out of this team in the preseason. I know a lot of you guys want to say, well, JT, they're learning a new system. They're going to acclimate all that. Listen, that's BS, man. Like, I'm not trying to hear that stuff. Nobody in the preseason is executing what they're going to do in a regular season. Everything that's being done in the preseason is basic. Play calling, basic. Defensive system or the scheme that they're running in the preseason pretty much is basic. Nobody's doing anything out of the ordinary in the preseason season all they're doing in the preseason is just trying to get some of the younger guys on the roster a look 
as well as getting some of the newer guys on the field accustomed to, you know, the NFL game. You know, if you got a rookie or something like that, you know, you kind of want to help him get his feet wet in the NFL. But when you have guys who you bring in a free agency, such as Shakur Griffin, who is not doing good, who is getting bullied by a guy named Marcus Callaway, you have a lot of things that you should be worried about. The secondary for Jacksonville has not improved. Not one bit. The secondary looks just as bad this season like it was last year. And that's with C.J. Henderson being back. That's with improving the secondary and free agency and via the draft. Their run defense has been pretty solid. But outside of that, their secondary is still a huge concern. And unless this pass rush can get going, this secondary is going to continue to struggle. I don't need a regular season game to find out that Jacksonville secondary is going to struggle this year. And if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, don't be naive when I tell you this. Don't overlook Don't overlook just the fact that this is the preseason and you shouldn't be worried because you're only worried about the regular season. No, I think a lot of you guys misinterpret what a lot of people say when they say don't pay attention to the preseason. They're saying don't get overlooked by preseason, but at the same time, that don't ignore problems that have emerged in the preseason. I think you have to be a pretty naive fan to overlook how bad the off the line for Jacksonville has played this preseason. And it's not like you're playing second stringers on the off the line. You're starting your off the line. Jerron Taylor, we already know what he is at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing a Walker Little start over Jerron Taylor at that other off the tackle spot. And for the other off the tackle, Cam Robinson, I understand why he's playing on the on the franchise tag now and why he has hasn't had a long-term deal like the off the line for Jacksonville has been really disappointing people and this is the first string off the line that's getting outworked by backups and second stringers so you can say it's just preseason all you want to but when your first string off the lineman is getting pushed around by second stringers that is a huge problem when you have your first string off the line this is what you should see you should see no pressures it should be clean pockets Trevor Lawrence damn near got killed his first two plays against the Cleveland Browns and damn near got killed against the New Orleans Saints so if you're trying to tell me that you are not worried about Jacksonville because it's the preseason, then one, you're either blind for what you're seeing or two, you're just a really highly overly optimistic Jacksonville Jaguar fan that is really naive to what has happened in the preseason. You can say preseason doesn't matter, but but that's because most teams don't play their starters in the preseason. That's why people don't get going that's why people don't get crazy over the preseason but when you're starting your first string and your first string is getting you know dominated by backups that is a huge problem does that even sound right to you so you're trying to tell me that you're confident in the Jacksonville Jaguars off the line this season despite the fact that they got outplayed by second stringers and this is supposed to be your first string off the line does this make any sense does that make any sense? You, before you before you comment what you're going to comment in the comment section down below about you not being worried about the preseason, please go do some thinking real quick. Put your keyboard down. Put your phone down. And I want you to think for just 30 seconds. Hmm. Okay. Our starting corners and our starting secondary and the starters that we have had on the off the line have not played well this preseason. They've been really disappointing. So if our starters are getting outplayed by backups, what makes me think that this team just somehow is going to improve when they're going against full starters in the regular season a couple of weeks? Let's just think about that. That's like saying the Pop Warner team is going to do better than the high school varsity football team because they outplayed them in one scrimmage. 
That's like your high school football team getting outplayed by your neighborhood Pop Warner team. I'm just saying. So if you're a Jaguar fan right now, should you be concerned? Hell yeah, you should be concerned. Because your starters right now haven't looked like starters. And your starters are getting outplayed by backups. I still believe Jacksonville is going to win six games. I don't know when they're going to win six games. Hopefully they can figure things out. Maybe they can steal a couple of games here, a couple of games there. Shouldn't be that hard to win six games. I still believe that Jacksonville wins six games. I'm not changing that. I'm not changing my prediction on Jacksonville. I still think this team is going to win six games, but I'm really, really worried. I really am. I like being right. Nobody likes being wrong, but I'm really concerned about this team. And I'm really concerned for Trevor Lawrence. I don't want Trevor Lawrence to go out like Joe Burrow. I thought the off the line was going to be better than what I've been seeing during the preseason. And it's not like they're playing backups either. They're playing starters. And the starters are getting outworked. I'm just saying, if you're a Jaguar fan right now, you should be concerned about Jacksonville. Because I'm concerned about Jacksonville. And I'm not even a Jaguar fan, by the way. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And the Steelers off the line has been really good during the preseason. You know, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be terrible during the regular season, but that's what you want to see out of your first string offensive line. You want your first string offensive line to play great. You want to see your quarterback in clean pockets, and you want to see the run game looking really good. Haven't really saw either one of those things out of Jacksonville. Offensive line hasn't played good, and I'm not really confident in the secondary. I still think the secondary is just going to be as bad this year as it was last year. Shaquille Griffin has not looked good during the preseason. Now, I'm not saying that he can't get better because people can get better over the course of a couple of weeks. And it's still is the preseason. But at the same time, you don't want to see the cornerback who you paid a lot of money in free agency getting, you know, dominated by a guy who I've never heard before, Marcus Calloway. I'm just saying. I'm concerned about Jacksonville Jaguars. I still think they're going to win six games, but I'm not as confident now in them winning six or more games as I was a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago, I was willing to put money on the line, $1,000 on the line that Jacksonville is going to win six games. Now, I think I probably will only put $100 to $300 on the table. So you guys let me know how you guys feel about the Jacksonville Jaguars down in the comment section down below. Are you concerned about the Jacksonville Jaguars or, or do you guys think that they're going to improve? This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Like I said earlier, I'm going to be taking like a short little break. I'm still going to be writing notes and stuff like that. It's just that I'm not going to be recording any videos because I'm trying to get ahead of my classes. So expect my college football previews to start coming out Sunday. I'm going to be previewing Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, Indiana, Iowa. There are a lot of good games that are going to be played next college football week, and I look forward to talking with you guys about them. But until we meet next time, appreciate you guys for listening. If you are a new listener of the podcast, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Make sure that you share the podcast on your social media platforms. Make sure that you follow me on my social media platforms. My Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, JT Sports.